Sometimes we need to pause and reflect on what we know to be fact. Sing about, preach about, talk about the cross. Through one set of eyes, it's the place of shame and failure and rejection. But through another set of eyes, it's the finished work Amen. of a God of love. You see, that cross, that blood that was shed to atone sinful man to holy God. It also represents forgiveness of sinful man. For we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight about forgiveness. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And it's really weird how God gave me this message. And I'll share a little bit of that with you in a minute. But in the preceding verses, we're going to start reading in verse 21, but in the preceding verses, it's just got through talking to, Jesus just got through talking to his disciples about how to deal with a brother that's been taken in sin. Then he goes into verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to him and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times. And Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Do the math. That's a little less than every three minutes. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all they had in that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me, sucker. No, no, I mean, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, lest I had pity on you or just as I had pity on you and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses 
This really needs no expounding. This needs no preaching. This needs no insight. It's a very simple message. We're never more like Jesus than when we forgive. We're never more unlike Jesus than when we refuse to forgive. Yet, I find it so commonplace in Christianity when people will tell me, they'll come to me and want to pour their heart out and I'm there for that, but they What's the word I'm looking for, Miss Patricia? <laughs> they are so... No, yeah, they hell been all right, but they are so stubborn in that I will not forgive them. Preacher, you just don't know what they've done to me. You just don't know what they've said. You just don't know what they've stolen from me. You just don't know what they've done to my kinfolk. You just don't know. And you're probably right. But there's one that knows all. Amen. There's one that sees all. Amen. And might I remind you, he's a just God. He will do the right thing. Vengeance is his. We like to help him, don't we? <laughs> but we need to stay away from that. We need to do our warfare in the spirit realm on our knees in prayer. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And I want you to know that the answer to your problem is not bringing blood, but it's the blood of the Lamb slain. I want you to understand that while I may not know the circumstances involved in your situation, I've had some of my own. I just got back yesterday afternoon from Oklahoma City. Went up there to minister at the national finals of team roping and never had a more miserable trip in my life. I got the vertigo, stayed in the hotel room two days. I couldn't hardly make it to the bathroom. Then the next morning I get a phone call uh, on the hotel phone. It's the front desk. Uh, Mr. Aaron, uh, Sure hate to be the bearer of bad news, but is there any way you can come to the front desk quickly? I slip on my blue jeans and head to the front desk and round the corner and there's the police officers and I'm thinking, what has Glenda done now? <laughs> and they said, Mr. Aaron, I says, does he owe you money? No. I said, yes, sir. And they said, uh, your truck has been burglarized and uh, do you have a gun in the truck? Or did you have a gun in the truck? I said, yeah. So we went out. They had took and knocked the back or the right rear window out of my new truck. Stolen some things from the truck. And needless to say, I ain't in no mood to preach. I'm mad. But I also know the word of God says be angry and sin not. So I had to get a hold of my thoughts. 
What I really like, would have liked to have done was been out there about 10 minutes earlier and gave them a 380 enema. I mean, uh... <laughs> And said, smile, you're on candid camera. <laughs> but no, I began to collect my thoughts and go through the truck and see what all they had taken. And he made a list. And there's a safe light a half mile down the road. So as soon as we finish up, I go to the safe light. And they make an appointment to come back at 2.30 to get a rear window put in my, or right rear passenger window put in my truck. It's supposed to rain. So 2.30 comes, I go up there and get the window put in my pickup, get back to the hotel, and I'm checking it out, making sure it rolls up and rolls down and all the things that you do when you've had work done. And then it dawned on me, and I just thought I was mad that morning. Them sorry suckers had stole my cowboy hat. <laughs> Now, it's bad enough to take a man's money. But to steal his hat? I was hot, yeah. And I still can get that way if I think about it. Now you see why I say it's strange how the Lord gave me this message. The Lord died for thieves, murderers, and prostitutes, and drunkards, and liars, and gossipers, and religious spirits, and you fill in the blank. And he's told us in his word to judge not lest you be judged, for with what measure you judge, you shall be judged. He's told us to forgive, and it shall be forgiven you. And I want to encourage you as the body of Christ tonight, regardless of what's been done in your life or your circumstance or your situation, you need to let it go. You need to forgive it. You need to move on with life. I want you to understand something. I touched on this a few weeks ago. The Bible says if you're at the altar and you... Remember you have ought against your brother or your brother has ought against you. Leave your request at the altar. Go make that thing right. And it goes a little further. I know I'm not preaching tonight. I'm just talking to you. He goes on to say this. If you don't do it, for you not to think that you'll receive anything from God. You see... God's love is grace, his mercy, his word. It's full and it's free to whosoever will, to each and every one of us. He's no respecter of person. But it's conditional. It's conditional. We always say, God, if you'll do such and such, I, I won't do so and so again. Now I'm going to really get out there on a limb now. I know there ain't nobody in here that's ever prayed this prayer but me. I just said, Lord, if you'll get me out of this this time, I won't never do that again. <laughs> and I didn't no sooner get out of it than guess what happened? I did it again. And so have you. 
When the truth of the matter is this, God says, if you'll do such and such, I'll do so and so. He says, it's going to be the only time you've probably ever heard me mention money. He says, if you give, I'll give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Well, I open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you're unable to contain. Some of you, you want to know why you're so struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. Possibly it's because you just don't manage money good. Possibly because you're living above your lifestyle or your income. Possibly you're just uh, one that, like the talents, uh, you, you waste it. See, we, we've got to learn the principle behind sowing and reaping. We've got to sow good works to have good done for us. We've got to sow money to have money bestowed upon us. We've got to, what we sow, we reap. That's a principle that God put in place. If I throw these keys up in there, let me do something else. Might break them. If I throw this leather wallet up in there if Mr. Sonny don't grab it what's going to happen what's going to happen what goes up comes down you see the picture I'm painting do you want to be forgiven forgive do you want to walk in peace do you want to have purpose? Do you want to have power? Do you want to have provisions? Do things the way God's word says to do it. You don't have to live up to my expectations or my standards or my doctrinal beliefs or any of that stuff. I promise you this. If you align with what God says in his word to do, it'll all be all right. It'll all be all right. Let me also remind you of this. Jesus on the cross. While they're crucifying him. While they're putting him to death. He forgives one of the thieves hanging on the cross beside him. Stephen being stoned. He said don't lay this charge against them. Don't hold it against them. I'm not quite there yet, but that's where we need to be striving to be is being able to forgive people even when they are knowingly and wrongfully, despitefully using us, abusing us, doing us wrong. Said, bless them that wrongfully and despitefully use you. Bless them and curse not. These are some of the sayings that Jesus said that none of us like. But there's authority when we do it. There's power when we do it. We unleash and untie the presence and the power of God to move in our midst and in our lives, in our circumstances, in our businesses, in our homes, in our churches when we obey the Word of God. We'll tell you what forgiveness is best definition I ever heard of it not original to me I stole it from Buddy Norman I wrote it down right here my friend up in Oklahoma 
We were talking to a young man that had just given his heart to the Lord. and This young man at the age of 17, his testimony on the stand put his father away for life. And he was really struggling. Not only with the fact that his testimony put his father away, but what he had to testify to. And Buddy said this, quote, Forgiveness does not mean that you weren't done wrong. Forgiveness does not mean that you won't ever think about it again. Forgiveness is simply like Jesus on the cross when he forgave us. He chooses to not hold our sins against us anymore. End quote. You see, some of you have been led to believe the lie that if you're still thinking about it, then you hadn't really forgiven them. This mind, even this one, is one of the most complex computers ever invented. And you don't just deprogram them overnight. How does that happen? You have your mind renewed by the washing of the water of the word. Then those wrong and evil and bad and sinful thoughts are washed by the word of God. And they're washed away and they're cleansed until your thoughts become his thoughts. His ways become your ways. You get to a place that some point and some time that, and I'm not there yet, but Paul said, it's no longer I that liveth. But Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, that's the place we all need to be striving to be. We all need to be trying to look like, talk like, act more like Jesus than we are. I don't think any of us have arrived at the place we need to be. Perhaps tonight some of you are here in this place and unforgiveness is holding you back. It's easy to do. I know. I carried unforgiveness for years. I shared this with you some probably four or five years ago. One of the hardest things to forgive is yourself. I'd been saved and preaching for 15 years. I'm going to share this one more time with you and then I'm going to close. I'd been saved and preaching for 15 years. And there were some things out of my past that I had done that I was so ashamed of. And I was allowing the devil to, who is the accuser of the brethren, he's the tormentor. And he was tormenting me mentally. He was beating me up. Wearing me out with those past failures and sins. And I'm driving down the road in my truck. And God often speaks to me in my truck. And uh, he likes Fords. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're going down there and, and he spoke these words to me. Not audibly, but in my spirit. He says, you think you're greater than I am, huh? I said, no, Lord, I, I don't think. I, and I know his voice. And I said, no, Lord, I don't think I'm greater than you. He said, yes, you do. He said, you're holding things against yourself that I've forgiven you for years ago. Tonight, some of you have some things in your past that the Lord has forgiven you of. 
And you're allowing the devil to drag those past sins and failures up and he's tormenting you with it. He's wearing you out with you. And tonight it's time. You stand up and forgive yourself. Forgive others if necessary. But it's time you stand up and take the dominion and authority over the devil that God has given us. If we'll embrace his word and walk in his word and do what he's told us to do. We don't have to be the victims. We can be the victors. We don't have to be overcome. We can overcome. And the Lord has called us all to be the head, not the tail. He's, he's called us to be the champion. He's called us to be the victor, the winner. He wants us to. All of us. Not some of us. All of us. And it's time you start acting like a winner. It's time you start acting like a champion. It's time you start doing the little things that you know God's word says for you to do. Biggest sin in the church, I'll say this and I'll close. Biggest sin in the church is this. It's not the prostitute. It's not drugs. It's not all that. The biggest sin in the church is this. It's the sin of omission. It's the sins of those scriptures that we know backwards and forwards, but we make them apply to everybody but ourselves. We just don't do it. It's time that stops. It's time that stops. Would you bow your heads?